Hello, thank you for downloading this episode of the Final Third Podcast. We have a great episode for you guys today where we talk about all of the biggest games and some more news that have happened this past weekend. Before we get to that, huge, huge favor for you guys. Please, please, please follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show. It means the world to us to communicate with you guys and to have you guys participate in some of the things that we do, including uh, the poll that we do for our predictions game. Go down to the link below to our Twitter page. Follow us there to stay up to date with everything we're doing. All right. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the final third podcast. It's Monday, so that means it's our news and predictions episode straight from the final third studios. We're virtual once more. My name is AJ Tabura. I'm one of your co-hosts, fan of Minnesota United. Went well today. West Ham United also went well today. Uh, and I guess the U.S. national teams as well, even though uh, they played last week. But that also went pretty well as well. Jack, you are also here. Jack is my co-host. Jack, how are you doing? And uh, how are your teams doing that you like? Well, it was a pretty good week overall for all of my teams. You know, uh, Minnesota United picked up a, a vital win, might I add. Away from uh, home, yeah. Yep. Chelsea took a win that takes them top of the Premier League. Always good to see. Atalanta take a win as well. And the Green Bay Packers, my favorite NFL team, made a win, got a win as well against our rivals, the Bears. So looking pretty good. Yeah, it's always uh, funny because we record these on Sunday nights, and which means during football season, we just always bring up how our football team is is yep, doing in yep. the NFL, just because it ha- happens to coincide with, you know, the game ending just a couple hours before. So that, that's always funny. Vikings also won today, even though almost didn't, almost didn't. But thankfully, for Cousins is probably undeserved win, making up for opinions. maybe undeserved win i uh i i have no fortright opinion on uh, <laughs> deserving wins uh but we'll see when uh the vikings play the packers huh that'll be yeah. that'll be a big one yeah when when the packers win yeah of course yeah all right all right <laughs> well jack today we're talking about a, a, a lot of different things to be fair uh it was a pretty big week in terms of games not a lot of things happened off the field that we thought we'd need to talk about but of course, we did want to talk about all of the crazy, crazy games that are happening uh, or have happened. That is this past weekend. But before that, I did want to mention a couple of things. Number one, our Twitter account. Follow us uh, at Final Third Show on Twitter. Link will be down below to keep up with all the things that we are talking about. It's always uh, a fun time when you get to answer our Twitter polls about predictions or uh react to our reactions on some of the biggest news that are, is happening so go ahead follow us there leave a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on and i also wanted to mention uh we haven't mentioned in a couple of weeks our fantasy league our fpl league uh has been going we're, we're eight weeks in coincides with the season and the current standings are still uh champions of europe by kateriga tuchel still first still has been first since like literally the first week uh next is mike woodward his team second place and i am third place with winning team fc 36 points off of first so still quite the gap uh jack you are in fifth place with jeru sandstorm 72 points off of first place so 
we're, we're pretty good in, in terms of a 14 person league uh to be in the top five not bad jack i guess is fighting for uh the champions league spots yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm i'm I, hopefully i don't do what west ham did last season all right all right all right <laughs> hey hey europa is the biggest the biggest cup oh i and forgot I, I yeah also, of course my bad i also my have bad. to mention uh we're also part of a, a fantasy draft team a fantasy draft league with uh, the stoppage time soccer show guys and uh, i bring that up not because it's our league but just because i want to say that i am winning that league currently i have a i have an eight point lead and after this week i'm probably going to win again looking at the points uh maybe that lead will be even more I'm, i currently have not dropped a single point thanks in part i, to, I came close to to beating you yeah One point you, you're, you're my closest the uh, bonus point game. from sala that's yeah. that's all it gave, that's all it took and most sala has been very very good and got me a lot a lot of points and that's a great transition to our first segment of the day, which is score lines. We're going to be talking about some of the biggest, uh, biggest games that have happened, starting with when Salah went off. Watford versus Liverpool. Liverpool, Jack, won five to zero. Did, did you happen to watch this game, Jack? Uh, no, it was at 630 a.m. Uh, so <laughs> I, I watched towards the end of it because I had to get up to coach at a debate tournament, but um, I did not watch the whole game, but I watched the highlights and I didn't know Firmino knew how to score goals still. So that was yeah. impressive. It was very, it was very impressive. And I don't think that he's actually the star of the show for this game. I, I, I think, I think that has to go to Mo, our, our boy Mo. And I, I happened to watch the end of this game cause I woke up early cause the Gophers game, a uh, football game that I went to was at 11 AM. So I, I was up bright and early to get ready for that. This was such a comprehensive win from Liverpool. I mean, it, the scoreline, even though it's a 5-0, doesn't really do this game justice. I mean, Liverpool destroyed Watford, had 76% possession, 3.13 XG to 0.3, 18 chances to 3, 19 uh, uh, shots to 6. And this was all at Watford. Liverpool was away from home. The way this went down was Sadio Mane scored first from an insane outside of the foot assist from Salah, curved perfectly to the feet of Mane. Firmino got a hat-trick, but as I said before, he was not the star of the show. It was Mo. For the fourth goal, the ball falls to the feet of Salah in the box. He dances around the Watford defenders. There's three of them on him at one point, and he just makes them look like school children playing soccer on the playground for the first time. He sits one of them down, and he slots in for a tremendous goal. Really, really great from Liverpool. They're now just one point off the top. Uh, Chelsea currently leads. Liverpool is second. And Jack, this is where I ask you a very vital question that's been going around the Twitter sphere and the Reddit sphere for the past couple of days, and especially since yesterday. Is Mo Salah the best player in the league or, dare I say, the world right now in his current form for this current season? Is he the best player? What do you think? Well, that's an interesting question because in the league, I think it's undoubtable that he is the best player in the league on current form. In the world, it, if you're taking into form, it, like just based off of form, then yes. He, okay. he is the best player in the world on form. Mm -hmm. However, yeah. if you just take into account any player, it, it's messy without a doubt. Like yeah, just yeah, any, yeah. any, any player 
it's it's going to be Lionel Messi up until he retires. And mm-hmm. uh that that that's my opinion on it. I I think that Salah is a very good player. And he is probably the, he, he I mean, I'm not going to even say probably. He is the best player in the league right now. I can't think of someone who is doing better than him, I guess. Uh like no no name really comes to mind that's scoring as much, assisting as much, making runs as much. Uh, you know, there's a lot of other players that work hard and are doing well, but none of them get up to the level of Salah right now. Right. How about in the world, like on current form, can you think of any other names that are as vital to his team and as successful both uh, with assists and goals as Mo? Because I can think about maybe Lewandowski, maybe some of the Bayern guys. But at the same time, when you look at the stats, he's scoring bangers and he's scoring a lot. Currently joint top goal scorer in the league with seven goals and four assists as well. He's gone on a six game scoring streak in the Prem. Eight if you include the Champions League. Like, I, there's just no even describing the form that he's on. Yes, of course, I agree with you. Messi and maybe some other players are better than him in general. But when, when we look since the beginning of the season in August to now, th- there there's no player, no male player in the world for my money that has been as lights out as Mo Salah has been. Do you do you agree with that statement? Because I, I feel like that's a pretty airtight statement. Yeah, the only ones that I think come close to it would be uh, Robert Lewandowski, uh-huh. Erling Holland. You know, I think he he's pretty important to Dortmund. Like they struggle a lot without him. So I think he 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 belongs up there. Um, I yeah, but beyond that, I can't really think of other players. Maybe Kareem Benzema for Real Madrid. Yeah, sure. Uh, he he's been doing pretty well for the season so far. But yeah, I think Salah is probably the top choice right now. Like uh, if if you were if you were told, uh, you know. You have to pick one player who has to score like uh, who who has to score this week or you die. Uh, you're you're going to pick Salah. Uh, you're you're probably going to pick Salah. That, that's such a morbid example, but I agree. I I, agree. I, 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 I I don't know why. That's just where my mind went right away. Yeah. It was it's like if if like or like if you were if you were making a bet like you you can bet five hundred dollars. You get double the money back if that if uh, if that player scores. Uh, you're, you're picking Salah. I agree. I agree. Not only that, but he's been very good. I, I alluded to this earlier. Very good for my fantasy team. I'm very surprised that in our draft league, Jack, you had the chance to draft him. You chose Bruno Fernandez. He fell to me as the third pick. And I, I really lucked out there because not only did I draft him in that draft, I also drafted Antonio, who has been playing very well. Ben Rama, who had an amazing start to the season, as well as some other uh, names like ESR. Uh, Mendy, who we're going to get to him eventually. Uh, I, I guess it goes to show that even even though like you know a player is good, sometimes their form just even exceeds your own expectations. And I think that's what he's doing. And I think that's why for, for right now, current form, he is the best player in the world. And I, I feel like it's hard to really debate that unless you go completely homer and you're like oh actually obama yang's the best place no no no, no, no. there's no there's no argument for that unless you're arsenal fan tv but even then uh that that's exactly. a bit of a stretch yeah. but do you want to know who isn't the best player in the world aj who is it 
who anyone who at Manchester is, United. Yes, yes. <laughs> I I agree because uh, anyone who is watching the Lesser City versus Man United game knows for a fact that Man United on current form just do not deserve to be in the top four right now. And they're not. They're not. They're currently in sixth place with 14 points. Have not won a Premier League game in three attempts. Last time they won was against West Ham a month ago. <laughs> so not great form from them. Uh, but this game kind of just encapsulates their current season. They started out strong. Incredible strike from Greenwood outside of the box. A rocket. I don't really rate him like currently, but he's played pretty much every single game and has been at least very decent in almost all of them. And it's really easy to forget that he's 20 and that strike was just icing on the cake for uh, his current form. And then uh, things that you would really consider to be very Manchester United start to happen. And that was some defensive mistakes, namely from Harry Maguire, who received the ball and he tries to run the ball out of the back and he gets picked off by uh, Ahinacho, who passes it to Yuri Tielsmans at the top of the box, who lays in a nasty, nasty chipped goal. Two bangers already in this game and one terrible defensive mistake from Maguire. Jack, I- I'm guessing you saw the highlights for that. That was that was a rough giveaway from Maguire. Yeah, I I've I, I've never really rated Maguire as a defender all that highly. That's fair. I know I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's the captain for England. He's so important. I don't uh, he he's. He's mediocre, I think. I, I don't think like I, I I don't think he's really up up at like an elite level center back, you know, right? Yeah. Which is which is what United need. So yeah, it, it was a bad mistake though, for sure. It, it, it was. And it uh goes to show you that without that, that defensive rock right next to him with Veron and you have Lindelof to his side, maybe Maguire gets caught off a bit more easily. It was shown in his foot mob score. He had a 5.1 because that was not the only mistake that he made. Uh, the next couple of goals, it's important to understand that the three of them happen in the span of just five minutes. So Yanuchu takes the lead for Leicester off of a corner. Rashford lays in a goal to tie it two to two. And who else but Jamie Vardy buries that go ahead goal because Maguire, surprise, surprise, Gave him so much space to line up a shot. Practically, like, invited him to take the shot and score the goal. And just for laughs, Daka scores in the stoppage time to become the first Zambian player to score in the Premier League. So good for him. Good for Leicester City, who really laid it into Manchester United, which is not exactly what you'd expect to see out of a team that, in Manchester United, you expect to be in the, not only in the top four, but potentially be in the title race. So, Jack, who can we blame for United's poor run of form? Is it Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Is it the bad transfers? I mean, Sancho has not had a goal contribution at all. Ronaldo kind of has been ghosting these past three games, which coincides with them not being very good. Like, what do you think? Because they, they've only had two wins in the past seven games. Who is to blame here? Well, I did want to bring up one thing because saying that they're uh, they're bad, they're on bad form. Yeah, they they kind of are, but they also before this loss had twenty nine games unbeaten away in the Premier League, which I believe is a record. So you know, it, it, they're they're away. Their home form has been fine, 
or it has been bad. I mean, sorry, yeah. their home form has been bad, but their away form has been fine up until this point. And honestly, I think one big uh, problem for United was injuries. Injuries did hurt them a little bit. You know, specifically missing Veron really hurt them. But mm-hmm. I think more accurately, it is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I, I think it really is. His Some of his tactical decisions haven't made sense. You know, like, why does Van de Beek still not get a start? Why does McTominay get subbed on in front of him? Van de Beek, you know, when he's, been, when he's played, he's played very well. And so it's, it's puzzling that he doesn't get a chance in this, in, in this team. And, you know, Ronaldo seems absolutely untouchable at this team. Even when he doesn't perform, he stays out and plays the full 90 minutes regardless, which I think is kind of ridiculous because if you're having a striker that isn't scoring goals, you sub him out. Same with Jaden Sancho. Very disappointing start. Um, I, I also think like, uh, you know, so, some I find it funny that some Manchester United fans are like, oh, he's just adapting to the league. Give him time. Meanwhile, when Kai Havertz transferred from the Bundesliga for a similar price tag last <laughs> summer, they were like, oh, he's garbage. So, you know, I, I, I've just got to say, uh, you know, player adaptation is a real struggle that it is. That, it that, is. You know, uh, and I also think Ronaldo's like ghosting really is a result of his style that maybe doesn't fit the Premier League as much as it used to. Right. Uh, because the Premier League now, you know, you, you want a ton of pace. Uh, people who are just going to like collect the ball, like pacey winners who are going to collect the ball and just run and run and run and run and run and dribble in and score. That, that's, what, that's what the league favors. Salah, Mane, Hazard re- in, in recent years. Pulisic uh, in, in Project Restart. You know, his, his game doesn't fit as much in the Premier League, I think. It, it's, it obviously does help sometimes because he's a... Like, let's let's be real. All of his goals have been tap ins or penalties. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, 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 you can't you can't deny it. they have been from very close range. Uh, so I, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of things to blame. But ultimately, I think it comes from Ole's poor tactical decisions, because, you know, the, the players have to play if if Ole selects them, doesn't he? So like if if he selects them and makes the decision to have them on for the full 90 then it's it's kind of out of their control. Like, right. So I, I think a lot of it goes down to Ole. I can't believe that he still has a job here. Uh, I honestly well, thought it should have gone last season when they didn't make it into the knockout rounds of the Champions League. Well, I, I have some news on that in case you haven't heard this, but according to David Ornstein of The Athletic, the board still 100% yep, supports Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Jack, what does OGS need to do this season in order to keep his job? Because I, I have a feeling, based on what you're saying, that you are also on that uh, Ole out train, at least as like from an, an outsider perspective. Like you're obviously not a United fan, so you don't actually care. But from my opinion, I think that he doesn't just need to get top four. That's that that is like the bare minimum for any Manchester United manager in mm-hmm. general, but also with a team of this caliber, I really think if he doesn't get a trophy of some kind, that he should be let go. Even if it's amical, even if it's like you tried your best and like it's it, it doesn't have to be like this huge dr- dramatic ending to a relationship. But at the same time, you know, whether it's the Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup, 
maybe not the EFL Cup because they are not there anymore. But, you know, one of those three trophies. You got to win that because that's exactly what United have been lacking the, the, the past couple of years. Like, what do you think? I mean, yeah, if they don't win a trophy this season, that will be five years without a trophy for United of any well, kind. When was the, when was the last trophy? FA the Cup. Europa League? Oh, or FA Cup with... FA uh, Cup, I believe, um, with Mourinho or Van Gaal. It, it was it, one it, of the it two. It was definitely with Mur- Mourinho, because if you yeah. remember, Mur- <laughs> Mourinho and Manchester United won the poor man's uh, treble, the Community Shield, the oh, EFL right, right. Cup, and the Europa League. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So I believe that was the last time they were winning trophies. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it, 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 it's been bad for Manchester United. They're, they're, they, and here, here's the other thing, because from a Chelsea fan perspective, I understand how awesome it is to have like a, a hero for your club managing the, the team and trying their best to like help reach the heights of, of like a, of European and English football. Right. But at the same time, if they're not producing results, don't let nostalgia blind you. Yeah. Ole, <laughs> Ole has kind of lived off of, of that goal against Bayern in the Champions League for uh, two decades. Yeah, sure. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It, it kind of has. And it, it like, it, it's ridiculous that the Glazers aren't just like, you know, you, you, you're kind of bad. Like, you, 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 you get like, a, you get good results but it doesn't lead to anything real. Like you, we don't have anything to show for it. Like uh, it, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Like even Mikel Arteta, who has bad results, still has something to show for actually has two trophies technically to show for his time uh, coaching at Arsenal so far. And like it, it it's, just, it's just kind of ridiculous that, that he still has a job there. He's coasting off of a reputation. And I think that that's going to harm Manchester United. I, I think the whole organization kind of at the top needs to go. You know, Glazers need to go. Woodward's already on his way out. Um, and Ole has to go as well. All right. I, I, I like your conviction there. I am also with you. And I, I really think like this season, it, it comes down to the results that you can bring on. And maybe that's not how the board sees it. But I think a lot of fans, including us, see it that way let's move on to Bayer Leverkusen versus Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga uh I, I woke up pretty late today Jax I didn't actually watch this so maybe you can tell us a little bit more about how it went but goals from Lewandowski two of them actually Thomas Mueller Serge Gnabry two goals as well Patrick Schick got the consolation goals and it's really interesting to note that the goals two through five happened from the 30th and the 37th minute that's right, that's seven minutes, four goals. Bayern Munich were so comfortable with where they were leading 5-0 up before halftime that they actually subbed out Alfonso Davies out after just 40 minutes. Presumably not because of injury, just because, you know, Alfonso Davies, he just played for Kennedy's tired, and they're up so much, you might as well just do that. Jack... You obviously are watching that game because I got woken up by a text from you saying, yeah, I don't think you're going to win this week's prediction game because <laughs> uh, I predicted that they would uh, tie. No, or... you predicted Leverkusen to win one to zero. <sighs> yeah, well, I because got you one... said this is the time for Leverkusen to win because Bayern have too many injuries. Yeah, and that wasn't <laughs> the case. That and was not the case. But... The result was also not the case. So, Jack, 
how did you see this game? Like, what were your reactions to this dominant, dominant Bayern Munich win? Yeah, well, Lewandowski is inevitable. Um, you know, yeah. he he scored it four minutes in to this game. And by that by that point, I was already like, OK, Bayern are pretty much on their way to a win here. If Lewandowski is scoring this early, it's 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 going to be bad. And then all of a sudden, you know, he scores a second. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds about right. And then. Three more goals happen in the span yeah. of seven the, minutes from there. Just the floodgates opened. Yeah, Thomas Muller broke into space and scored a goal. Serge Gnabry, a minute later, follows up with a goal. And then two minutes after that, follows up with another goal. Like, this game was over before halftime. Like, that, 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 like, Bayern are just lights out right now. They, they, they sensed that they, that their spot at the top of the table was under threat. And they pounced on that and they absolutely crushed it. Uh, you know, they, Honestly, it looked like the, the Leverkusen defenders just were on skates half the time. They, they, they just did not look prepared for this. And, you know, Patrick Schick, I do want to give a mention to him because, you know, after the Euros, people were like, OK, he was good in the Euros, but is he going to be able to be any good anymore? And I think the answer is definitely yes. Patrick Schick has been very good. Uh, he scored seven goals in eight matches. Oh, wow. In the Bundesliga. Just, How old is he? Isn't he like old? He, he's 25. He's not oh, that old. He's not old. Yeah. Uh, it's just that he, you know, uh, he, he wasn't fantastic for Leverkusen last yeah. season. You know, he, he scored, he scored um, 12 goals, I think, uh, in the season, which was all right. But uh, it wasn't like spectacular or anything. But then all of a sudden he's come out of the shadows after the Euros and just has been crushing it. And he continues a good run of form. But it's ultimately just not enough. Bayern... For, for whatever reason, you know, at the beginning of the season, we were talking about how Bayern just haven't clicked under Nagelsmann, right? They, they, they were drawing, they were losing, they were conceding goals left and right. Something clicked recently. Uh-huh. And I think a big part of it has to do with everyone is back from injury. Like the, the, the 11 that they fielded uh, today was about as close to their ideal starting 11. Mm-hmm. In, in on any match day the only difference is you know maybe pavard plays at right back instead of shula uh also they're not going to be able to keep lucas hernandez for too much longer uh so yeah. <laughs> there is there is that that's happening but it, it was a comprehensive performance and their front sane was unlucky to not be on the score sheet 0.69 expected goals by himself uh you know he was unlucky to not get on the score sheet but Every everyone else in the front in the front four had at least two goal contributions like Bayern right. are just running riot. And honestly, I don't know who stops them at this point. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Bundesliga is, you know, it, it, it is pretty close at the top between Dortmund and Bayern. There's one point separating them. So it, it's not like it's not like done and dusted, but their goal differential. Do, do you know what their goal differential is currently, AJ? Uh, I do. I have it uh, pulled up right now. It is a uh, 21 and Dortmund or actually Leverkusen, who still have uh, the, the second uh, best goal difference is back there with nine. Yeah, exactly. That's they have crazy. A 12 goal lead in goal difference. Mm-hmm. Like it, it the, the thing about Bayern is when they uh, when they draw like it's disappointing, but when they win, it's almost never by just one goal. Yeah, almost never. They when they win, they crush their opponents. And I think that's just the, the mentality that Nagelsmann is bringing to this team. It's finally working. You know, 
the pressing uh, system that he would initiate at Leipzig is is working here. And, uh, you know, having, you know, Moeller play a little bit further forward and uh, being able to find space has really gotten the best, uh, like gotten even more out of him, because I'm not sure how you can really how he can really top him, uh, himself after years and years and years of excellence, really. Mm-hmm. So I, I I just think it's incredibly impressive. Uh, I, I don't know what else I, I can say about about this win because just fantastic all around. Yeah, literally it, it encapsulates how Byron have been treating the Bundesliga in this past decade, past century, pretty much like Bayern Munich. I, I really don't think anyone's going to catch them this season, save for a catastrophic collapse from them. I said this in uh, the preview that we did for the Bundesliga. I, I basically said you have to you have to back Bayern until proven otherwise. You didn't That's listen to your own advice there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I'm looking at that from like a very wide lens. You know, maybe they, they, they drop games. That's true. But if you want to catch up to Bayern and win this league. You have to be absolutely perfect because that is the pace that Bayern Munich sets for the entire league is near perfection. So if you're not there right there next to them winning every single game winning every single game with multiple goals then you're going to fall behind and you're not going to win uh the bundesliga and that has been the case for a long time and even though it's close at the top i agree i don't think anybody's catching bayern munich hopefully erling holland coming back from injury will spice things up but we'll have to see how things go on from here let's move on to another title race that's uh heating up and is very interesting it's napoli who won against torino this past weekend and i don't really care about the game i really just want to talk about napoli right now because they are playing very very well how well well they have not dropped a single point they're eight wins zero draws zero losses 24 points still the gap between first and second is still only two points ac milan have 22 points in Serie A. And it brings up the question, is this Napoli's year? And I I did a bunch of research into it, and they have such strength in the midfield, in the wingers. You look at the midfield and Guisa, Fabian, Zielinski, Elgif Elmas. And then they have, you know, attacking options like Insigne, Bellotti at the front. And of course, we need to talk about uh, Koulibaly as the star center back. Victor uh, Osimhen with his five goals. Frank Zambo, Marco Rui at the left back. And their goalkeeper, Ospina, finally found a home, really good goalkeeper out of him. Not to mention Irving Lozano as an option, not starting every game now, but still a very good attacking option. Uh, but the way I see it, depth is an issue. Who can step up if Osimhen goes down? Uh, one of Jack's favorite players uh, obviously plays here. Jack, uh, uh, one of your uh, uh, favorite strikers. Do you think that he he has enough to potentially back up uh, Osimhen uh, here? Of course, I am talking about Dries Mertens. Yeah, I I, I, w- I was going to say, um, yes, absolutely. Because I'm not sure uh, how much you know about Dries Mertens in Napoli, but he is their all-time record goal scorer. Yeah, but he, 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 is he is 34. A hero for this, but he is still a hero for this club, and he he's, he is a good player. He's good at finding space, good dribbling, uh, can can 
produce an absolute beauty of a goal at times. And he's just coming back from injury. You know, I, I think that he definitely can. But Osimhen, I've got to say, is on really good form in Serie A. Five goals in seven games. Yes. Not too bad at all. Uh, Ospina, as you said, playing very well. You know, uh, and their their defense, you know, with without uh, without Koulibaly, it doesn't look great, but they just play really well together as a unit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Luciano Spalletti has just done really well with this squad of players. And yeah. the thing is, I think Napoli, I know what you're al- say. Napoli always start well, right? Yeah, they always start well. They have a good midseason. And then it, when it comes to crunch time at the end of the season, just all falls apart. You might remember at the end of last season, they held a Champions League spot for quite a while mm-hmm. and just imploded at the end of the season. And it, it, yeah, it, so I, I think that that could happen again. They're they're almost like Leicester are to the Premier League at this point. <laughs> like that. That's oh, that. That's the kind of uh, of collapse we're talking about here. Yeah. So, well, um, yeah. Can I say that the collapse might happen a bit earlier because uh, for those of you at home who might not realize it, uh, the African Cup of Nations is happening this winter. And it just so happens that Napoli have about five players who are eligible to play for the African Nations, some of whom are very, very important to this team. Osimen and Koulibaly being two of them. Not great if they have to go about a month plus change without some of their best players so a lot of napoli fans are very worried if they don't bring replacements in for uh, during that january transfer window that they are their good run of form going into potentially the end of the year will just fade away jack do you on the whole see napoli holding on do you think this is the their year because we also have ac milan inter milan right there keeping pace up with them and you also have some very hungry other contenders like Roma, Lazio, and Atalanta waiting on the wings. Is this Napoli's year for you? It could be. It could be. Because they're showing all the signs of being a very promising contender. But at the same time, you know, it, the, the question has to be asked, can they keep up this pace forever? And the answer is obviously no. Like, it, it's, it, they, they, they can't. It, it would be physically impossible for all of these players to play all of their games and keep up this pace forever. Uh, the question is, will they be able to do better? Th- will they be able to keep a pace better than Milan? And I think that they can. I, I like Napoli quite a bit. Napoli, you know, Atalanta is my favorite team in Italy, but I always have a soft spot for Napoli. I have a Dries Mertens jersey in my closet behind me. Uh, you know, I, I, I really like Napoli. I want them to do well. It's just, you know, they're going to... they're. Not only are they going to be missing Koulibaly and Osimhen, they're going to be missing Anguissa, and they're mm-hmm. going to be missing, uh, I, I think it's uh, Goulam, who's a decent yep. left back for them as well. So it, it's, they're going to be tested for sure. And it'll be interesting to see if they're able to cope with it because uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not extremely confident in their backline without Koulibaly because yes. that, that was kind of their downfall in, uh, towards like, I think it was around February or March last season where Koulibaly had to go out with an injury for a few weeks. And that kind of coincided with a dip in form. So it'll be interesting. I think they definitely need to invest in a high quality center back, uh, even if just on loan for mm-hmm. uh, sure. just to strengthen it up a little bit. Yeah. 
because their defense is a large part on why they are so good this season. Mm -hmm. uh, Spalletti has that great uh, defensive shape going. Uh, Koulibaly plays such a core role in that, and that's why they've only conceded, after eight games, three goals. Just three goals have been conceded by them. Best in Syria. Uh, potentially best in Europe. I, I don't know the stats, but in the top five leagues, I struggle to really think of a team that's conceded less than three goals like that is less than three no i can't think of yeah, less than exactly. three i can think of three because chelsea and manchester city have both only conceded three yeah. but otherwise no i can't think of any other team yeah. who has le who's conceded less really incredible from them it's going to be tough we're going to be covering this title race as it goes on but napoli right now playing out of their minds good for them good for them jack some quick fire uh games i want you to react to okay uh Juve are doing weirdly well right now i i, I don't Ooh. know if you if you've been uh, yeah if you've been keeping up with how they've been doing but their their current form has a lot of people thinking that they can potentially make a run towards uh, the top four maybe not the title but we'll, we'll see how that pans out they're currently five wins in five in all competitions including your beloved chelsea they also have not lost since September 11th last month. Jack, your reaction on Juve's form? Are they good? Are they bad? I think they're I think they're doing okay, but we have to look at some of the state of these wins as well. Uh, they have not won a single game by more than one goal in in these five games. So that that's one thing. They conceded two against Spezia. Against Spezia, who are not the, they they're in 15th. And then yeah. the the week after that they conceded two to Sampdoria, who are 16th. Yeah. You know, they, they, they're winning, but they're also conceding a lot of goals along the way. Their defense and midfield, Locatelli was not the answer to all the issues. It's just that their midfield is just bad. I, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't cover up just a, a trash can with, like, a single uh, spritz of Febreze, really. Uh, so huh. that, that might be a bit harsh on some of the Juve players, but honestly, when you have Adrian Rabio in there and it's it's Yikes. kind of deserved uh and you know they 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 have had good wins the win against chelsea was impressive by them uh but you know winning by one last minute goal or late goal against torino that that's sad that's very sad Dang. torino okay. is not torino survived by like one point last season uh beating roma is more impressive i guess but still uh they 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 could have lost that they could have tied that too because if it wasn't for Chesney who actually played well that game mm -hmm. saved a penalty so um Juve are doing fine but okay. I worry about their long term stability right. <laughs> actually saying, I don't I don't worry yeah I, was I don't say. worry I, I I worry for Juve fans uh, <laughs> but I am happy because it looks <laughs> like they don't have long term stability all right all right well thank you for that let's move on to some more real quick stories happening this past weekend. The first is a certain uh, situation that happened in Newcastle. I believe, Jack, you can correct me and get into the story some more, but a fan collapsed due to cardiac arrest and they paused the match uh, for a little bit. Can you tell us more about what happened there? Yeah, well, um, around the 42nd minute of Newcastle, of Tottenham at Newcastle, uh, a fan collapsed in the, in the stands from an apparent cardiac arrest. And... It, the, the players actually reacted very quickly because Sergio Regulon, 
He went straight to the referee, pointed it out and was like, you got to stop the game, which they did. And uh, the medical team, like medical paramedics, you know, they rushed over to the scene to go uh, to go make sure that that person was okay. And Eric Dyer, you know, I don't like Eric Dyer that much, but I've got to respect what he did here. He ran over to the benches, got the defib- got the defibrillator, which you might recall is there because of this uh, of the event at this summer's Euros with Christian Eriksen. Mm-hmm. So that you know, they I, I'm pretty sure that uh, that he uh, that the person is fine now. I I, I forgot I, I forgot uh, to to check on that part, but I'm but still like. They, they they responded quickly to the situation mm-hmm. and the and the match eventually restarted. Uh, so that's good. I'm I'm checking on the uh, on the status of that because I think it's kind of important to, uh, the, to the, the fan part. is stabilized and that is good. Uh, yeah. was on their way to the hospital. And at this point, I bet they are at the hospital. So okay. great. That, that's great uh, stuff to hear. Uh, big props to Regulon and especially Eric Dyer. Uh, even if he, you know, isn't the best on the field, right? Scored the own goal, whatever, whatever, whatever. There football, obviously football is more than a game. Exactly. There, there's yeah. things that are bigger than what happens for 90 minutes between 22 uh, people. So great to hear from that. Uh, some other uh, potentially uh, good news coming out of this weekend. Steve Baldwin, who many people have known as uh, cultivated a very toxic and abusive uh I guess environment with the Washington spirit in the NWSL. He is the team owner. Uh, he is planning to sell the Washington spirit, a process which according to him will finish up at the end of the year. And while yes, a lot of people do see us as exciting because, you know, hashtag sell the team. Steve has been trending. Uh, I've been jumping on that criticizing uh, the NWSL's o- overseeing of some of these toxic environments. This Still does not necessarily mean that he's selling to Michelle Kong, which is what a lot of people want, because Michelle is a much better owner than he is. Nor does it mean that the next owner that he chooses to sell to will be measurably better. So there's a lot of things that we still need to do as fans of the NWSL to and then NWSL themselves to make sure that we can exercise the demons that are these toxic bad owners. And uh, I'll leave it there. We'll cover it as uh, it goes on. Uh, Jack, Vitesse needs new infrastructure. Tell us about that. Well, I, I, I got the title of that wrong a little bit. It's more NEC Nijmegen needs uh, new infrastructure because okay. in a match today between Vitesse and that team that I, I'm not going to try and pronounce it right. again, uh, the, the Vitesse fans won a 1-0 win. Good win for them. Uh, the away uh, the away fans were celebrating in a stand, jumping up and down. When the stand collapsed, uh, no no injuries were reported. Everyone was fine, but you know they, uh, it's 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 actually a pretty interesting video to look at if you if you just search for tests on Twitter. Yeah, I found uh, it. Yeah, yeah, they they're just like jumping and jamming, and all of a sudden, just the stand just kind of falls over. In. Yeah. And it's weird because. They're Some still kind of celebrating. They're still kind of <laughs> celebrating. That's that's kind of what I, I, I'm guessing. That means that yeah, there were no injuries. So, but yeah. still, uh, can I say as a civil engineering student, because <laughs> I, I I got to plug that whenever I can. Uh, that, that's not good. I guess I don't have to be an engineering student. To say yeah, that. yeah. I, I, I don't. Th- I I think I can say that. That's yeah. probably infrastructure that needs to be replaced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that that's why investing in infrastructure is important. 
uh, that's why uh, you know doing structural analysis on vibrations and the loads that can be potentially taken is very important. Uh, it reminds me of Jack. I don't know if you've seen this. I don't know if the like our listeners have seen it either. But there's this video a while back. Don't know the game, but someone was taking a video of a roof. Uh, at a stadium and it was just like moving up and down like at least like six inches because people were jumping on like the stand above them and everyone (laughs) was like uh that doesn't look good and yeah maybe maybe it doesn't yeah see i i I would say if things if buildings move that's usually not a great thing it sometimes it's good sometimes it's necessary uh for taller buildings to move with the wind but Mm -hmm. uh either way you know i get to plug politics and economics all of my and all of my degrees in here, so I thought I'd give AJ a chance to plug in a little bit of his degree expertise on yeah. on the show. Yeah. Well, let, let's plug uh, something that you would enjoy, and that's Edward Mendy playing out of his mind against Brentford. Man of the match, great fantasy points for me. <laughs> Jack, t- tell us about uh, the greatest goalkeeper playing right now at the yeah. uh, on current form. I honestly think he is. Like, I he he um is one of the best goalkeepers statistically to keep 20 clean sheets in the Premier League. I think it's the fewest appearances to keep 20 clean sheets. Only uh, only beaten by like Petr Cech, um, Pepe Reina, and a few others sprinkled in there. But very impressive. And, you know, uh, last week we talked about Ballon d'Or nominees. And I can't believe I, I, I didn't give more weight to this. Mendy got snubbed hard for for a Ballon d'Or nomination. Even if he doesn't get close to winning it, he sh- he deserved to be on that thirty man shortlist. I think. I think he I think he deserves it more than Mason Mount, his teammates. I I think so, but you know goalkeepers goalkeepers almost never get the recognition they deserve. You know, absolutely. Men- yeah. Mendy made six saves. Uh, all, almost all of them coming in the last 10, 15 minutes of the game versus Brentford, and not single handedly. Uh, with both hands, both feet, uh-huh. both feet and his head uh, saved Chelsea from dropping points away to Brentford. So, you know, he, he was incredible. He, he saved like a, an, an incredible bicycle kick that was heading towards the towards the top of the net. He saved like a shot from a foot uh, from a yard out with his face. He, wow. he, he just played out of his mind. It was absolutely incredible. I was watching this while judging a debate round and uh, I had to stop myself from because it was in person from getting up and like yeah. just cheering during this kid's speech. Uh, because <laughs> that would have been a little bit interesting if I had just started cheering during a speech on water infrastructure. I don't think I don't think they would have understood. But I, yeah. I just wanted to take some time. Give some props to Edward Mendy. He deserves it. Props to Edward Mendy indeed. Before we move on, uh, this next segment may or may not actually make the, the, the final cut of the episode. Because we're still waiting on final results to say that the portland thorns have clinched the nwsl shield the regular season uh title obviously it's not the biggest trophy in the nwsl that would be the nwsl championship but if they win against the houston dash tonight which uh is currently going on still zero zero at the time of recording uh they will have clinched this year's nwsl shield title so Good for them. It's been a top year from them, despite the recent dip in form. Uh, they could still potentially become an unprecedented team this year. They've already won the 2021 International Champions Cup, the 2021 Challenge Cup. Obviously, now they've won the 2021 NWSL Shield. 
and they still have a pretty decent chance at winning the 2021 NWSL Championship. No team has ever won the quadruple like this, obviously since the Challenge Cup is new, but this would be absolutely huge. And there were huge performances throughout this entire year from the likes of Lindsey Huron, Crystal Dunn, both great uh, in the midfield, uh, Megan Klingenberg and Becky Sauerbrunn, who are great in defense, and star attackers Sophia Smith, Christine Sinclair, Simone Charlie. The last time they won the Shield was in 2016. And they've won the NWSL Championship twice in 2013 and 2017. Could this be the year that they win both trophies? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, their form right now is not being great. Like, obviously, they still have not won the NWSL Shield at the time of recording, so we still have a lot to see. Uh, Jack, if you were a betting man, uh, would you take the bet of the Portland Thorns winning the title this year? Ooh, it's tough because, you know, it's a knockout type competition for the MLS Cup. So, or sorry, NWSL Cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My God. Uh, but either way, similar format. And so I, I, I also am not a betting man, so I, I don't usually take bets on things. But yeah. I think Portland Thorns are definitely a, a team that if you're, if you're, if you're inclined to, to make a bet, you're, it's probably pretty good odds that you'd get something out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Some other uh, teams to mention, obviously, Old Rain are literally right behind them. If Portland Thorns fail to win this, fail to win the next game, Old Rain will be right there. Uh, Washington Spirit, since uh, firing their former head coach, has been on very good form. So maybe they can make a run for the championship. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, so we'll cover that as it goes. Again, <laughs> if, if they don't win tonight, then you're not going to hear this uh, segment. <laughs> but Congratulations to the Portland Thorns for a, a very good year so far, and maybe it isn't going to end anytime soon. Let's go over to the U.S. men's national team corner. But Jack, before I get to that, I want to hear your input on a scale to 1 to 10. How do you rate the USA's window? Obviously, they won two games and lost one. Scale to 1 to 10, Jack. What do you think? I'll go a 7. I'll go a 7. We, we eight, learned seven. a lot. We learned a lot in the window. We got good results, uh, some, yeah. some ones that showed some spirit, uh, won both our home games. So there is that. Yeah. Uh, and had a tough awakening in Panama. Yeah. But, so it's not perfect. Like if, if it was if it was nine from nine, that would be ten. But I'll say seven just because, yeah, yeah the Panama one was a little rough, but there's <laughs> there's other things beyond that. I will rate this window with as, as many points as we got. I'm going to say six out of 10 that's, because that's yeah, it, it, it was fine in many ways and it was not fine in a lot of others. Uh, so this is the U S men's national team corner where we talk about one large story in a uh, U.S. national team. I guess it could be men's or women's, uh, you know, news in the past week. Obviously we just fi finished up the uh, second window of world cup qualifying and now we sit in second place. The top three auto-qualify. Fourth place goes into an intercontinental uh, playoff game. And so right now we are 11 points out of six games. Three behind first place Mexico. One above Canada. And crucially, we are three points ahead of Panama, uh, who obviously are in that confederation playoff spot right now so we're three points safe 
as it currently stands. This window finished up with two wins and one heart-wrenching loss. The first game I already talked about, so I'm not going to go into like the real nitty-gritty. I'm going to look at this window from a, a bird's-eye view. But we won that game thanks to Ricardo Pepe Brace 2-0 over Jamaica. Really comprehensive, one of our most comfortable wins that we've had under Burhalter in a long, long time, I think. Probably since we even came back from the pandemic. Uh, next was the game against Panama, away to Panama. Not a great game. Anibal Godoy scored. Could have been Azarda's own goal. We couldn't get anything going in the attack, and therefore we lost 1-0 away to Panama. Not the result you want, especially because if we won against Panama, we wouldn't be looking at a three-point gap between us and fourth place, the, Confeder the Confederation playoff. We would be actually looking at, ooh, man, a, like a seven points, something like that gap. Like they, It would change the entire narrative of this window. So sad we couldn't get the win. But we did get the win against Costa Rica. I haven't talked about this, so I'm going to go in a little bit more detail. Keisher Fuller did not uh, waste any time. He scored a goal in the first minute to put the Costa Rica up. And I think a lot of that can be chalked up to uh, an inexperienced back line. I say Zach Steffen because he has not had a lot of playing time. He was chosen over Matt Turner to be the goalkeeper. Whether or not that's the right decision, I could hear either side. But obviously we got the win, so I guess it doesn't matter. Chris Richards... Uh, debuted for uh, the World Cup qualifying cycle for the U.S. men's national team. Did have the best of games and have the worst of games, but part of that goal was Chris Richards' fault. Part of that was Zach Steffen's fault. I feel like Matt Turner, with the current form he's on, could have gotten a hand to it, and it would look a lot different. Uh, but the lineup for this was a lot different uh, compared to the Panama game. Instead of the likes of Zimmerman and Mackenzie starting at center backs. It was Robinson and Richards. Anthony Robinson was the left back. Sergino Dest was the right back. We had the MMA midfield as well as probably our best starting uh, trio up front, which is Wea, Pepe, and Aronson. Ariola was going to start, but he got injured, unfortunately, and had to sit out. So this was a very different look. And really, going into the big takeaways from this entire window before we get into the nitty-gritty of Costa Rica. One of the big things that you have to really recognize was the fact that when we play our best players in their best positions and let them play their game, we win. And something that I've been criticizing Burhalter over and over again was the fact that he sometimes just overcomplicates things. Yes, you need rotation. That's what he did with Panama. He rotated a bunch of players I think it was like seven different changes or something. Kellen Costa, Legette, and Yunus Musa were the midfield. George Bellows, Shaq Moore were our fullbacks. Wea, Ariola, Zardes was our front three. Like, not exactly the most inspiring of starting lineups, and it showed in our play. I do agree that sometimes you do need to uh, move players around, especially players that have played a lot of minutes in the past month. Looking at like players like Miles Robinson or. Brendan Aronson or uh, Tyler Adams, right? It's good to transfer uh, some of these players in and out in order to conserve their energy. But at the same time, you can't just bring out an entire lineup, be super experimental, and think that that's going to save you in the end because it didn't. And I, I think that's a big, big takeaway because when you look at 
the Panama and Jamaica games, when we play our best players, we actually are playing in the way that Burhalter wants us to set up the dominance, the verticality, to use that buzzword, the, the controlling of possession while at the same time breaking these low blocks down for the first time since however long. That's what happens when you play the best players and you play the, the way that tactically we're supposed to be set up. And I think that's something that we need to look forward to in the future, especially against the games uh, against Mexico and forgetting the next game, uh, uh, Jamaica in Kingston. We just have to play our best players and we just have to play it simple. Taking the line out of SpongeBob, gotta do the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. Right now, Jack's face flying, but it's true. Beralter right now is doing the, 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 the kicks method, the keep it complicated, stupid. And that's just not what you need to be doing in these high level, high intensity games because it's going to bite you in the butt. One of the other takeaways is the fact that Zach Steffen versus Matt Turner is an interesting debate because really, I liked what I saw from Zach Steffen. I didn't hate his performance. Namely, because if you look at the first goal that we scored, uh, which is the Sergino Des goal, amazing goal, just hit it, it curled away from Kaylor Navas, great goal from Sergino Dest. But part of that buildup was Zach Steffen playing out the back, which Matt Turner cannot do. He's a great shot stopper, but Zach Steffen, his ability to play things out of the back, undeniably great. Watching the entire buildup, it's exactly how Burhalter wants us to play. The fast-paced passing, you know, moving things progressively. Like it was, it was like, it was like prime Barcelona with the U.S. men's national team. Like that's how good this build-up to the goal was. And really, I cannot overstate how important it is to have a goalkeeper that can do that, even if it's just for the tactical flexibility to do it when we potentially need it. To have Zach Steffen there really makes this team a lot more dynamic from a player selection standpoint. I still like Matt Turner. I still think he should start most uh, games as long as Zach Steffen is not getting the playing time that he deserves at Manchester City. Not that he deserves. I mean, Ederson's still literally one of the best goalkeepers in the world. But if he's not going to get playing time, Zach Steffen, then it's hard to really overlook Matt Turner. Another huge takeaway is just how important that midfield is. Musa, Adams, McKenney were lights out. Musa, for my money, was the man at the match uh, in that Costa Rica game. If we don't have the likes of them playing and we have Legette, Musa, and Acosta playing, it's just not going to work out. And that's a large reason why I thought we lost the Panama game. I think if we had a better midfield in that game, all the other players would look a lot better. Even the ones that aren't necessarily the best, like Bello, Zardes, Shaq Moore. If we had a better midfield to accompany this team, I think the result would look a lot different. I think the way that we look at those players' performances would be a lot different. Having a strong midfield core, winning the middle third, so, so important. We're going to need to look out for that as we go on. Next is some depth issues, actually, which is to say that we have a lot of good players, right? We have a lot of good players that are coming back from injury or could be potentially selected next next uh, window. Look at Pulisic, Reyna, Conrad, uh, Sargent if he finds form. That's great. But at the same time, there's still a big gap between the A team to the B team to the C team. I am a big believer in having potentially MLS players be those utility guys like Sebastian Legette, Callan Lacosta, uh, even some of the guys that people 
might not be fans of I, on the whole uh, to start i'm looking at like mark mckenzie christian roldan Gianluca busio deandre yedlin most people don't have them in the starting lineup but they still have i think really good utility for this team but as i was saying before you can't start them all together because you still need to have your best players playing because that gap is just really big from like Musa and McKenney to Acosta and Legette. I, I like those players a lot. I think they're going to be great depth pieces, but that's what they are. And you can't start them in such big games. So I, I'd really like to see some really standout depth begin to develop. I think it's going to be something to look forward to in November, whether or not we have that. Now that we have all, like, all our players coming back from injury, John Brooks as well. If with those like top level players coming back, if the drop off from our A team to the B team is not as drastic as it was this window. So those are my main takeaways. I think um, midfield, the tactics from Burhalter, some good, some bad, uh, the midfield being important, some of the complications with depth i think are something to look forward to i'm gonna be talking a bit more about the, the november games as they approach we're playing mexico in cincinnati big big game and then we're also playing jamaica in kingston away another big game if we can get six points there i think that would bode very well for our qualification chances uh after those games we don't play for about two months so we have a lot of time to think so hopefully we end off this year on a good note that is it for the US men's national team a corner jack let's move on to last week's predictions why don't you walk us through uh how people can potentially participate in this and the scoring system of the game yeah well uh let's start with the scoring system you get 10 points for getting the winner correct you get 20 points for getting the exact score line correct and zero points for getting none of it right uh, on our Twitter page at Final Third Show, you can vote in polls released every week to participate in these games between uh, a win for either of the teams or a draw. So you can get uh, the listeners can get zero or ten points instead, uh, and we'll see how that turned out this week. All right, all right. Let's start off with Iran versus South Korea in the Asian Football Confederation World Cup qualifying. And South Korea did it. They managed the away point in a tough place to play. Both sides played very well in the second half. Both the star players that we highlighted last week scored, Sun for Korea and Ja'an Baksh for Iran. South Korea came to play, had three very good performances from center back Min Jae Kim, their number 10 Jae Sung Lee, and of course the goal scorer, Young Min Sun. The gap between the two teams remains two points with six games of qualifying left yes this ended up being one-to-one very important road win for south korea everyone involved thought that iran could do it because from what we saw iran has been on great form uh jack said one to zero i said two to one our listeners also voted for iran we all get unfortunately zero points jack take us to europe to talk about albania and poland yeah, well, Albania v. Poland, as we stated last week, a super important game for World Cup qualifying to see who would make it out of this group, who could take second place to make it to the playoffs. And Albania came into this game despite playing at, his home, at home as underdogs, despite an impressive campaign, and they were playing pretty well overall. They, they, uh, they restricted Poland to only two shots on target. 
Unfortunately, one of those shots did go in from Carol Swiderski, assisted by Matthias Klick. That was in the 77th minute, heart, late heartbreak for Albania, who were trying to hold on for a point. But unfortunately, that it did not quite happen. Not a ton of shots in this game. You know, three shots between the two teams on goal. It, it, was, a, it was a relatively tame game, but Poland... The favorites did come out on top on this one, even if by an unconvincing margin. And uh, AJ guessed one to one, very close to getting 10 points for a draw here. Uh, Our listeners voted for Albania for the narrative, for the narrative for Albania to Mm -hmm. potentially qualify for the World Cup. I vote and I went for Poland in this one. We had all three scorelines covered. So only I am going to take points from this one. But since I said two to one, I'll settle for 10. All right. Well, we already talked about USA versus Costa Rica a bit. I, I guess I should say that uh, Morea, who came in for Kaylor Navas, did score an own goal, so it did end up ending two to one. Jack got around in the money. He said two to one. I don't know how he did it. Probably as a time machine, he gets twenty <laughs> points. I said three to zero. I thought it'd be a lot more comfortable than it was. Uh, still pretty good win. I get ten points. Listeners also voted for the U.S. men's national team. They got 10 points as well. Jack, Ligue 1, Lyon, and Monaco. Take us there. Yeah, well, I really like Monaco as a team. I wanted them to do well in this one, but that did not happen. Uh, Monaco had a lot of red card suspensions and injuries for this game, so it didn't go to plan. They defended well for the first 75 minutes, but unfortunately, the game is played in 90-minute increments, so... Uh, they conceded a penalty from Tokokambi in the 75th minute. And just as they thought they might be able to get back into the game, in the 90th minute, Jason Denier, center back, scores from a corner kick and ices the game. Uh, yep. Only other no- notable thing is that uh, uh, Chelsea Loney Emerson did get an assist. Good for him. Uh, but either way, uh, AJ guessed one-to-one for a draw between these two teams. Not quite. Zero points for him. Our listeners also picked a draw on this one. Zero points there. I said Leon would win this by one-to-zero. So close. If only Jason Denier couldn't have scored in that uh, in the 90th minute, but I'll take 10 points from that. All right. Great job. Bayern Leverkusen versus Bayern Munich was our fifth and final prediction. Of course, we already talked about that. It ended up being one to five towards <laughs> Bayern Munich. Jack was pretty close, only two goals off. One to three gets ten points. As we mentioned before, I said Bayern Leverkusen <laughs> would win. That th- that might be my dumbest decision to date. Uh, I said one to zero. I get zero points, obviously. In fact, try to get negative ten for picking something that stupid. But <laughs> I'll take what I can get with zero points instead of a penalty. Uh, listeners. Went the safe route. They voted Bayern Munich for 10 points. And Jack, I'll let you do the honors in talking about the final tally of points. Yeah, well, our listeners had uh, an okay week. They they got 20 yeah. points in all. Two out of five predictions isn't too bad. 20 points. Uh, and AJ had a bit of a rough one this week. Not his worst one ever, yes. which I believe is zero points. Yeah, last season of zero points. Yes, yeah. uh, so he gets ten points for getting. He be, the U.S. didn't let him down at least this time. Thank so that God. there there yeah. was that. Uh, but I, I was lights out in this one. You know, uh, absolutely fifty points 
I got four out of five predictions correct, one right on the money, so 50 points for me. And AJ, where does that put us for the season standings? I, I just want to hear it, you know. <laughs> it puts us where I wish it wouldn't. Uh, it puts the listeners at 195 points. Me at 205, so I'm still leading the listeners, just barely. And Jack, because of two wins in a row for you, you are now 40 points ahead of me. Let's go. That's such a big win, such a big choke for me. Still plenty of uh, of uh, weeks left. In fact, we have, uh, to my count, 11 more weeks, including this week, to go in the season. So still plenty of time for me to catch up. Still plenty of time for the listeners to catch up. But go ahead, listeners, if you want to catch up to Jack, vote on our polls at Final Third Show. Jack, how are you feeling, though? I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I, I had a few bad weeks. I've recovered from that. I've, I've, I'm, I'm hitting some form, uh, and hopefully I can keep that up. All right. Well, Jack, let's see if you can. With the first game of our next week's predictions, Ajax versus Borussia Dortmund in the UEFA Champions League. I picked this game because I thought that, well, A, they're, they are like the top teams in their uh, respective group, Group C, six points for, between the both of them. And I think that they have a lot of similarities between uh, the way that they deal with youth development. I think it's going to be a very interesting game. Jack, who do you think is going to win this? Ooh, it's, it's tough because uh, they're both on the exact same form, actually, in their last five. Four wins and one loss. Uh, you know, I... I'm I'm going to go, even though it's at Ajax, I'm going to go for Borussia Dortmund to win this one. And the main reason is Holland is back from injury. He scored two this past weekend after coming back from that injury. You know, I Holland is just an unstoppable beast, honestly. If he is fit, he scores a lot. You, you'll remember he scored 10 goals last season in the Champions League. He He loves playing in the Champions League and scoring goals there, so... I'm going to go for Dortmund to win this one 2-1. to one. I, I don't quite trust that defense yet to keep a clean sheet. All right. Well, the smart thing for me to do is to also go with Dortmund. But my heart is telling me to take another risk. Ajax have only conceded two goals this entire year, or this entire season, that is. Yes, it's in the Eredivisie. It's not the strongest league, but still a 30 goal goal difference is absolutely crazy keep in mind that they did beat sporting cp five to one that's crazy sebastian allaire has been lights out this entire season i'm going to go i think Ajax is going to concede but i'm going to go with a one-to-one draw very that would be a very positive uh, result for i think Ajax. so i'm going to go with that jack can you remind me again what you said would be the score line you had Dortmund I had two to one for Dortmund. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, who? Big risk for me, and another big risk potentially coming up with Manchester United versus Liverpool. Heated, heated rivals. They're, they're those fans hate each other like, like, like oil. Like oil hates water. I, at least I, th- I think that's uh, how how that works. They both have some midweek games, some pretty big midweek games. So that's gonna take maybe a little bit of focus manchester united does have the the the, the easier the easier uh i'd, I'd say game atalanta J- no offense jack but i, I think it, man man you are at home as well and uh yeah. liverpool have to travel to atleti so yeah so i i definitely take that as the case however 
this is a pretty evenly matched uh, game if you consider Manchester United being at home, but Liverpool and Salah having great form and United kind of lacking that right now. So I, I kind of want to go for the draw, kind of want to go for the Liverpool win. So I'm going to do it, Jack. I'm going to go for Liverpool finding a way in Old Trafford and winning. I'm going to go for it two to three. Jack, what do you think? Okay, okay. I, I'd, I'd pay good money to watch that game right there. Uh, but I, I'm going to say, you know, I, I'm also going to back Liverpool on this one just because wow. I think Liverpool are better than Manchester United right now. I think that's pretty much undeniable. Plus, United are missing Varane. That's going to hurt them. Liverpool are missing players that can be important for them, like Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones, and Thiago. But at the same time, those players aren't as important to Liverpool as Varane is to United, I think. So I'm going to go, I'll say, I don't want to say two to one again. I'll, I'll say one to zero for Liverpool, for Liverpool okay. you know, a, a scrappy little win with a beautiful solo goal or something like that. <laughs> All right. Well, Jack, I'll let you take this next one as well. Literally one of the biggest, it the biggest club game in uh, football history, Barcelona versus, versus Real Madrid, El Clasico. Jack, who is winning this? They're, they're both on, uh, both have, I believe, won their most recent game. Barcelona, obviously not in great form. Do you think that they can win it? Uh, it's, it's tough because actually Real Madrid lost their most recent game okay. to Ooh, Espanol, uh, which is not exactly right, a powerhouse right, in Spain. Yeah, because they had like uh, they didn't have a game this weekend for some reason. Right. Not, yeah, not it got really postponed. Sure I don't know why, but sure. so in the past, Barcelona hasn't won in in the last since five meetings ago in March 2019. That was the last time they won El Clasico. That being said, it is at home, and while Barcelona are missing some important players, you know they're missing Braithwaite, they're missing Pedri, and they're missing Araujo. Let let me take you down Real Madrid's injury list. Carvajal is out with a calf injury. Ceballos is out with an ankle, ankle injury. Alaba out with a knee injury. Hazard out with a muscle injury. Militao out with a thigh injury. Camavinga out with a foot injury. Bale out with a hamstring injury. Asensio out with a muscle injury. And Diaz out with a, uh, what, what is that, an ankle injury. They, they're missing a lot of players that, yeah. that can play a big role, especially Alaba, Hazard, Militao, Camavinga, and Bale. You know, the, that... They're going to struggle a little bit in this. I also think Barcelona are going to struggle, though, because Barcelona seemed to struggle a lot recently. I'm going to go for something a little bit boring, and I'm just going to say a 1-1 draw. I, I feel like this has a draw written all over it, though. Okay. All right. Well, what do you, th what do you think uh, the scoreline is? 1-1. One 1-1. To one one to one. Oh, man. That is, that, that is quite the call for a, a fixture that can potentially have some very classic score lines. Uh, I know, in I know. In fact, the, the last draw was in 2019. That was a 0-0 draw. But th th this, this matchup has the propensity for some iconic moments. And I think we're due for another one, Jack. I'm saying Barcelona get rid of their demons, oh, okay. fight them off, and I think that they get this win. In fact, I, I, I want to say Ansu Fadi... Get, get gets a goal been on good that, form recently yeah i i think i think that'd be very poetic for Ansu Fadi, the new number 10 to score in el Clasico. 
hopefully Sergino Des gets another assist. He got <laughs> one t- t- tonight. I I'd love to see that. But I'm going to go. I'm going for dos set uno. I don't know Spanish. I'm I'm going with a two to one Barcelona <laughs> victory. I'm feeling it partially because I'm 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 a little uh partial to Barcelona, but also because I think I really think that they have what it takes to win it. Let's go over to Syria. Napoli, the league leaders, takes on Roma, who are not exactly title challengers right now, but are really in it, fourth place currently. This is going to be a very interesting, interesting matchup uh, for no other reason than the fact that they also have uh, some midweek games to focus on, even though Europa League was it Europa Conference League for Roma, mm-hmm. maybe not as yep, important yep. as a huge game between Roma and Napoli. It is going to be in Rome. But I think Napoli got this. They, in recent years, have really shown it to Roma. I think Spalletti has an amazing team going on right now. I think the form, that defense, midfield, and attack, incredible. I think they're really well synergized to to use like some BS words to describe them because it's it's really just incredible. I can't even describe how good Napoli has been. Just me hyping them up probably means that they're gonna lose this. But I'm gonna go with a I'm gonna go with a, a two to zero win for Napoli. Jack, Dang, what are you? That's what I was gonna go with. Ah. But, uh, you know, I'm gonna change it up just slightly. Um, I'll, I'll say one to zero, just because okay. they they've been pulling off a few of those lately. Napoli just to just squeaking by a little bit, and Roma is a good opponent, so I I think that you know they 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 can put up a strong defensive class, but. I think I think Napoli can do this. All right. Well, let's move on to MLS. I don't think we predicted uh, an MLS game for a while. Uh, currently, Nashville SC and Philadelphia are second and third place in the East, respectively. And that's going to change because there are midweek games. But next week, they are going to play each other in a very big game that could potentially move one of these teams maybe out of the home playoff uh race i suppose and i know atlanta united are right on the heels of orlando and if they move out of uh the fourth seed into the fifth seed one of these uh, they might not be hosting a playoff game for that first round which would be very disappointing to say the least for these two teams uh jack who do you think is going to win this pretty big matchup in the east it's bold of you to say that someone's going to win this game because Okay. Personally, I, I think this is going to be a draw. And the reason why is if you just look at Nashville's recent results, yes, they beat Inter Miami. But since then, uh, 0-0 draw with Chicago, 2-2 draw with Orlando, 0-0 draw against New- with New York City, 0-0 draw with DC United. Nashville played defensively, and it's, it's not a bad thing because they play it really well. Yeah, but only th- 26 goals conceded. That's the... Uh... A yeah. conference least less than a goal per game. Like they're they're very good at, at at defending. And you know Philadelphia has been pretty good recently. You know three wins and two draws. But ultimately, I just feel like Nashville's going. Uh, Nashville, you know, I, I believe they've got a bit of a of, of a tougher schedule. You know, they've got Columbus be, uh, before this, and then they've got Philadelphia after that. Philadelphia also have to play a game uh, midweek, which. We, uh, I'm definitely going to. You might be going to. We'll, we'll, yes, we'll see. We'll see about that. But I just think these teams are going to be a little bit tired, and they're going. And given how close it is to the playoffs, 
they're just going to want to not lose. So I think zero zero draw. That's what I'm going for. Wow. You know, it, it's boring, but I, I think it's I think it's possible. OK, OK. Zero zero draw. Oh, man, that's uh, that, that's quite the call, Jack. I'm going to go. I was also going to go with the draw, but I'm going to go with. I don't know. It's tough because if you look at their home and away record, uh, they're both pretty similar in terms of how they do home and away. So it's kind of hard to dif- differentiate. I'm going to go with a Philadelphia Union win. Very close. I believe everything you say, it's going to be an early goal and there's going to play conservatively for the rest of the game to cons- to conserve that win in three points. I'm going to go with one to zero for Philadelphia Union. Jack, that is it for our predictions. Listeners, if you want to participate, uh, Jack, where, where can they participate? They can participate on Twitter at Final Third Show. Uh, there's going to be polls released on there, five polls. You can let us know which team is going to win or if you think it's going to be a draw. Uh, you know, vote vote on as many of those as you want to uh, try and help the listeners make up some ground. Maybe pass AJ this oh, week. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but uh, other than that, you can also just follow us on Twitter because it's fun. And, uh, and yes. there's some great stuff on there. You know, uh, I got to banter West Ham a little bit on there by, uh, uh, yeah. you know, because beating Brentford really just isn't for everyone in the Premier League this season. It's only for truly big clubs. So, you know, you know how it is. Uh, but <laughs> uh, and you can see you can see maybe some pictures from Allianz Field as the MLS season wraps on up. And hopefully I can send some Wonderwall at Allianz Field. I'm hoping. Hopefully, hopefully. Also, follow us on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on to keep up to date with all of our new episodes that are coming out. Also, leave us a rating. We read out any five-star reviews that get put on uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever podcasting platform you want to put it on. Uh, And yeah, we'll see you guys this Thursday for a very special deep dive episode. Same time, same place for uh, next week's uh, news and predictions episode. So tell your friend about the show. Tell your dad. I'm sure he'd love to hear about uh, all of the struggles that some teams are going through and some of the big, big wins that are happening this weekend. All right. We'll see you this Thursday. See ya. Bye for now.